Hi, I'm Andrew Sylvester. I'm one of the ministers here at Chastity Presbyterian Church. Before we get into today's word, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd be with us today as we read your word. Be with me that I proclaim you as you are, and I stick close to scriptures, proclaiming the truth and the message that you've called us to. I pray that we'd be able to hear it, believe it, and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you do when someone you trust changes their mind? The very thing that they convinced you of, they no longer believe. Perhaps this person brought you to faith in Christ. They strengthened your faith. Maybe they mentored you. And now they no longer believe. What do you do with that? How do you respond? Perhaps you think that this hasn't happened to you. But let me assure you, it already has. Even today. Today we sang the song, Rejoice. And what a great song. Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Ah, love that song. The man who wrote that song, he has deconstructed his faith. He no longer trusts what the Bible says. I was emboldened by this song, yet four years after he sang it, He doesn't believe it. How do you know you're on God's side? How do you know you stand with the truth, with God? How do you know you're on the right side? Calling yourself a Christian is tough. Believing in Jesus and confessing your sin, trusting that He will save you because Jesus has paid the price. That isn't a fashionable belief. Believing that, you feel like you're swimming against the tide of society. It makes you feel small sometimes. You can be anxious and worried. What will happen? And then to add in your own desires that you need to submit them to God. It's hard. What if your mentor, your hero, was right to change? Are you now wrong? Could you be free from all these worries and feelings by giving up these beliefs? All those thoughts that you had, those struggles, with with how can a loving God send people to hell? Or am I abusing myself by not following my feelings? They could all go away. All you have to do is stop trusting everything the Bible says. If only you don't have to follow everything it says. As you consider the background of this passage in 1 John, we see where John is coming from. And we see that these feelings and these thoughts are nothing new. John saw this was true throughout Jesus' ministry. Even when Jesus was there performing miracles in front of heaps of people, there was people there that didn't believe in Jesus. They denied him to his face. Not because what he said wasn't true, but because they didn't like it. John recalls Jesus telling them this wasn't because he wasn't the Christ, but it was because they weren't Jesus' people. He says this in in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 25, which should be on your outline. It says, Jesus said, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they testify about me. But because you do not believe, you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And this is also playing out in the church. John has seen people leave the Christian community, not because it wasn't true, 
but because they didn't like it. He said earlier in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. John is writing here to encourage the church, those who believe in Jesus. He wants them to know that they can be sure they are truly on God's side. The way he tells them that they know they are on God's side is he says they know it because they have God's Spirit. Now for us here today, we we can read this and say this is clearly the Holy Spirit. But he reminds them of this because in the past, God put his Spirit on the prophets. It showed they were on God's side. They showed they were a prophet because they proclaimed the truth. And John writes and he says that you know you were on God's side because you have the Spirit. Because you have the Spirit also, also you know the truth. Because the Spirit is within you, you know that Jesus is with us, that we are on God's side, we're on His side. Let's read the second part of 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. It says this, And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. John then goes on to tell the people how they know they have the Spirit. He will say to them because they will profess the truth. They have the Spirit of truth because they profess the truth. It will remind them that Jesus really is who He said He was and they are really on God's side. Now, I know in today's society, it feels a bit weird to talk about spirits, things that can't be seen or measured. But we shouldn't be worried. We should be taught by what John is saying as one who did not only receive a visible spirit, but he knew Jesus personally, closely. He saw him killed. He saw him rise again and ascend to heaven. But if you find this passage tricky and the the spirit thing tricky, if that's true, then this passage is actually going to be a bit tricky. But I hope as we unpack it, you'll see that what it's saying is clearer than it may first appear. Firstly, John says not to believe every spirit. But how do you hear a spirit? How do you believe what a spirit says? Well, in this section, we see that John is equating these spirits with prophecy. He says don't believe every spirit because there are false prophets. He also later concludes this whole passage with speaking about speakers and spirits together. See, these prophets were the spokespeople for the Spirit. So, whilst the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts and convict us of the truth and open our eyes to see who Jesus is, John here is equating these spirits as external voices. Things you hear from someone speaking as though they had the Spirit of truth. And he says of them, don't believe everything these people say. They aren't all from God. Secondly, he mentions false prophets. What's a false prophet? I think you'll find the original Greek ring true to our ears. The Greek is pseudo-prophet. <laughs> we understand that, don't we? See, they look and act like they're the real thing, but they aren't suitably qualified. They don't have the Spirit of God. They actually have the Spirit of the Antichrist. And lastly, we see in this passage, he says, test the spirits. By equating spirits and prophecy. He's meaning that we need to test the speaker to see if they are really from God. 
Read with me with what John commands in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How do you test the prophets? John tells us in this next section. And John is the perfect person to help us see what's the truth and what's not. Because he was there. He knows what Jesus is like. It's a bit like when a cop goes undercover and tries to pretend they are someone they aren't. But when someone knows the real deal, they get called out straight away. Their cover's blown. They can't spy anymore. And John here is educating the church into what to look for because he knows the real deal. And he says, if anyone, any spirit is acknowledging, any prophet's acknowledging Jesus for who he is, they're the real deal. Any spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. But what does he mean by acknowledge? It's a tough word. It can be translated confess, but that, that doesn't help that much either. The literal meaning of the word, of what was written, was to say the same thing as another, to agree with what has been said by others about Jesus, to own that belief as your own. What else has been said about Jesus? Well, John has already said so much. He said that he is the logos of life, the eternal word, that he is the light, that we need to confess our sins and that Jesus will forgive us. That was all just in chapter 1. And here in this passage, he highlights, we have to acknowledge that Jesus is Christ come in the flesh, that he is from God. Now, when we turn to this passage in the NIV, we see that it doesn't completely say that. But understand this, as we read this, there are two ways to read, acknowledge Jesus Christ. Acknowledge Jesus. Uh, The first one is to acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh or to acknowledge Jesus Christ come in the flesh. John Stott, it says it's actually best to read the first, uh, sorry, the second one, that we should acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge him who he says he is, Christ come in flesh. Church history will tell you that when John was around, the question was, is this lowly Jesus, the Christ that was promised? It was only a hundred years after that the Greek church struggled to believe that Jesus was flesh and not just a spirit. But coming back to what John is saying, as an eyewitness to everything, He's saying that if someone comes and tells you something different about Jesus, that he wasn't who he said he was, that it wasn't uh, the Christ, that he wasn't the Christ as the church has said, that person is not from God. They have the spirit of the Antichrist. And that's how you can tell if you're on God's side. Let's read it. Verse 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus, Christ, has come in the flesh, is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is out there. And what is the spirit of the Antichrist? Which spirit is most Antichrist? Satan himself. And the pseudo-prophets are singing his tune of deception. And the world is drumming along to the beat. But because the church is on God's side, they know the truth and they're not deceived. They've overcome the lies to see the truth. 
Satan wanted to deceive them and hide their eyes from the truth, but they know Jesus. As such, they've overcome. And John doesn't just say that they will overcome, so hang in there. He doesn't say that they may overcome like wishful thinking. He said they have overcome. It's happened in the past and it will always be that way. It's not like when New South Wales wins the state of origin and then they have to do it again the next year or whoever wins the Euros. This victory wins forever. How? Because the Holy Spirit is within them. And this is the ongoing significance. The Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of the world. And John wants to encourage these believers, they are on God's side and it cannot be changed. He says, you, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Verse 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Why does John want to encourage believers? Because things aren't looking good right now. It looks like the pseudo-prophets are winning. Everyone's listening to them and not to the truth. They are popular. What they say, people are already wanting to hear. They, they just want it to be true. They, they don't want to believe that Jesus is the Christ. They, these people in this time, they're hoping that the Christ that they hoped for was going to come and save the day. Just how they had hoped. But John and the apostles, the ones who had seen Jesus, they knew the truth. Jesus is the Christ. He's already come and he's proved it by rising himself up from the dead. After he'd been publicly executed and buried nearby, he proved it, leaving the sealed and heavily guarded tomb open and empty. He appeared to people publicly for 40 days. Jesus was the Christ. People were as bad as they had said, but they could be forgiven through believing in him that he would send this spirit. But whilst all of this is true, this all being acknowledged about Jesus, the people didn't want to believe it. They wanted their own truth, even though it was a lie. So John encourages the church, the people who listen to us, by that he means the apostles from God, the eyewitnesses, the people who accept that testimony, who believe in Jesus and submit to his authority, They're trusting that Jesus has paid the price for them. They are from God. They have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Those who don't listen to them, they're blinded by this spirit of falsehood. Let's read verse 5. Verse 5. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever acknowledges God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So can you see what this passage is saying? There are two spirits. God's spirit, spirit of truth, and the Antichrist, the spirit of falsehood. There's two prophets, one who claims Jesus is who he said and one who claims Jesus is not. There's two tests. Do they accept and own that Jesus is the Christ? Do they listen to the eyewitnesses? So what is this passage saying to us today? I think it's saying two things. 
The first is this. Are you on God's side? How do you know you are on the side of truth, that you stand with God, particularly when someone you trust no longer stands with you? John compels us to ask ourselves, do we have God's Spirit within us? Firstly, we have two tests. The first test, do you accept the truth about Jesus? Do you own what is said about Him as the truth? And do you confess that is what you believe to be true? Do you believe the truth about Jesus, that this man was Christ come in flesh, God come in flesh, that He was the incarnate second person of the Trinity? He created all things and is now the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you believe him who died and rose again from the dead publicly? Do you believe the truth about what that means for you? That, that means that we are sinful, that we are not good enough. We actually need a saviour. We need an advocate. Do you believe that we need to submit to him? Do you accept what this means for you? And have you responded to that truth? You, you've put your trust in Him and confessed your sins to Him and now you're seeking to live for Him. If that's true, by this you know the Spirit of God lives in you. You're on God's side. Or perhaps that didn't feel true for you. You like a lot of things about Jesus, but not everything. Jesus had many followers who didn't believe in Him. They were intrigued, but... When they heard something they didn't like, they left. Despite the fact that he had shown them who he was through the miracles. Are you like that person? Do you not like everything about Jesus? How, how would you know? Think about when you speak about Jesus. Are there parts of his life that you focus on to neglect the others? Like perhaps you thought he was really just a good guy. But you don't really want to talk about the miracles and stuff. Think about this. Does a really good guy call themselves the way, the truth, and the life? And, and do they say that before Abraham was, I am invoking the name of God about themselves? The only way that guy is a good guy is if he actually is the way, the truth, and the life. If he actually is God. And if you don't like that, who are you to try to change him? If he actually is who he says he is, who are you to try to take things away from him? If he is who he is, and if you're doing this, are you really on God's side? Or are you trying to pretend that God is on your side? The second test to see if you are on God's side, God says, you know by who you listen to. Do you listen to the apostles? Now, I know that's a bit hard. John died 1,900 years ago. We can't hear him, but he and the apostles, the ones who saw Jesus, the ones whom Jesus specifically said, go out in my name. Do you listen to what they wrote? Because they wrote the New Testament. Do you listen to the Bible? Are you accepting this eyewitness testimony? Even when it says crazy things that you just can't imagine, like a guy being publicly executed, rising again from the dead. And all the things that he said, like, 
it's not a fantasy. This is a factual recording. Do you accept it? Do you trust the testimony about Jesus that, that he backed up with by his death and resurrection, by appearing publicly? Do you, do you listen to the people who spent every day with Jesus for three years? Do you listen to what John says about him? Because I think he knows him. Do you listen to Paul also, to whom Jesus appeared to, resurrected, and that John and Peter gave the right hand of fellowship to? Do you hold on to it as the words of eternal life? Even when you can't comprehend all it says, even when it hurts, if you're doing that, that's the second test. You're on God's side. If you're doing that, you're on God's side. I'm not saying it's easy, though. It can be really difficult to believe sometimes, especially when we have doubts. We, we can't put it all together. And our desires are raging war against us. What do we do then? Are you someone who says the Bible can't be trusted? That we, we can't listen to this word? That this word's not inerrant? If that's you, please let me ask you, by what rule are you measuring that? What standard are you holding that to? And where does that come from? Is that stronger that it overrules and dismisses the eyewitness testimony? These, this eyewitness testimony that they didn't gain from but were persecuted for? That they were persecuted for the rest of their lives for but they never denied the truth? What voices are you listening to instead? And how do you know that they are right about Jesus and not the Bible? How do you know that they are true? How do you know that they can be trusted? The Bible sometimes brings us with difficult situations. But when you dismiss the Bible and pick and choose, that brings much bigger problems. This brings us to our second point. How can we trust what we're hearing? How do we know if it's coming from God or from the spirit of the world? As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're surrounded by these voices deconstructing the faith. They're deconstructing what they've been taught at church. How do we know what is right? The first thing I want you to understand that many of these criticisms, they're not new. Nor were they very strong either, even though they're popular. John is teaching us here, how do we know if what we hear is from God? We know it because they accept Jesus is who he said he was. And secondly, they submit. They listen to the Bible. And how can we trust John on this? Because John was there. He knew Jesus. He saw him risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. He knows. So listen to his tests. When we hear things about Jesus, when we think about what they say, is it showing that they accept Jesus for who he was? That he was the Christ come in flesh from God? Is what we're hearing, are they accepting Jesus for who he was? Just like we've gone over earlier. If they're not, that voice is not from God. That, that word that's telling us we need to listen to it, it's not God telling us we need to listen. 
Secondly, second test about what, the, what we listen to is what we're listening to showing that the people who wrote it, the people who are saying this to us, that they're listening to the Scriptures, that they're listening to what the Bible's saying, that they need to trust everything that the Bible says and this is what the Bible is saying and they're showing you that through constantly reading the Scriptures and then highlighting what it's saying. The guy that wrote Rejoice, Dustin, he isn't the first person to go down the path of not trusting what the Bible says, picking and choosing what they think is true from the Bible. You see, before him, there was the quest for historical Jesus, but you have to understand that there was a first and a second and a third and perhaps now a fourth wave. In the past, there's lots of people that have tried to pick and choose the right bits from the Bible, what they think is right. There was the, the Arians and the Docetists and the Gnostics before that. Before all of them, though, was who John was with, the Jews who actually saw Jesus. And one thing is common from all of these people. They speak from the perspective of the world, the world that they're living in. And they're judging the Bible by that. They're keeping all the parts that affirm who they already are and their society and anything critical to it, they throw out. As if society and culture was the ultimate truth. But what authority do they have to do this? Who are they in the history of the universe that they know? That they know better than the eternal God who's revealed himself through these Bibles? If God is beyond all time and culture, if He's truly the gold standard, don't you think He would have something to say to all of us from all time and from all cultures? If we want to know something is true about Jesus, we're going to read it. And what is said will affirm what has been said about Jesus from the beginning, from Jesus Himself, that He is the Christ that he is Christ come in flesh to us, that he is the one who was and is and is to come. If what we're hearing is true, they will listen to the Scriptures. They will get their ideas from what the Bible has already said. So how do you know if you are on God's side? What if you don't know? What if you want to be on God's side? This passage is telling us the same things. We need to accept Jesus for who he is. We need to listen to what the Bible is saying. If that's you, that you've been hearing so much about Jesus lately, and you really do actually want to be on God's side, the side of truth, and you want your life to be governed by truth, trust what the Bible is saying. Trust the truth about Jesus. Maybe this is evidence. If that's within you, that God's Spirit is maybe within you and you need to obey what He says. What will He say? He'll say, acknowledge Jesus as Christ. Acknowledge that you need Him as a Saviour, that His death and resurrection has paid the price for your life for when you haven't been good enough. And accept that He has given you life. If you trust Him and you listen to His Word, God's Spirit is within you and you are on God's side. Let's pray. God, we want to be on your side. 
We want to be on the side of truth. Thank you that you sent Jesus publicly for us, that we may be able to see the truth and hear from the eyewitnesses that this is really what happened. Thank you that Jesus appeared so publicly, performed miracles so publicly and spoke so publicly that we may be able to read what he said and accept him for who he was, the Christ who died for us. Lord, please forgive us our sins. Those sins that you're telling us that we have committed, we know we've committed them. We know it in our heart and we know it as we read your word. Lord, as we read your word, help us to continue to trust the scriptures, even when it's difficult, even when it hurts, even when we have doubts and desires that go against it. Help us to understand what is really true. Commit it to our hearts and help us to understand that we are really on God's side and that the spirit that is within us is greater than that which is in the world. Give us this encouragement and help us to boldly proclaim this truth. In Jesus' name we pray.